Welcome to the Suffering Podcast. Each week, we walk you through how suffering is the way to sustainable success and the path to greatness. We can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. Visit thesufferingpodcast.com for complete details. Please subscribe and like to get our latest episodes as soon as they drop. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn for exclusive content. Please comment. We may read your comments on future shows or even reach out to you for a future guest appearance. Let's embrace how suffering forges bonds that last forever, showing we are never alone. So get so ready, get ready, sit down, sit down, and strap it, strap it. Sit your ass down, down. Sit your ass down, down. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. Sit your ass down, down. Sit your ass down, down. Strap it, strap it. This is gonna hurt, gonna hurt. This is gonna hurt, gonna hurt. Let's talk about the suffering. It's time to start the pain. This is gonna hurt. It's time for the Suffering Podcast. Dented Development Project is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with a mission to assist first responders and their families repair dents caused by suffering. Help us support the ones who take care of us selflessly. Dented things can still operate, but may not be as pretty as they once were. Make a difference and go to DentedDevelopmentProject.com to get involved today. Our heroes need our help. All new Suffering Podcast gear is here. The show depends heavily on our supporters to get the word out. Let people know that suffering is a team sport and no one is alone in their struggles. Wearing the Suffering Podcast merchandise accomplishes that goal. Check out our store at thesufferingpodcast.com or check our show notes for the link. Your support and love means everything to us. A favorite quote of mine reads, When people ask for patience, are they given patience or given the opportunity to be patient? When someone asks for courage, are they given courage or does the opportunity present itself to be courageous? If someone wants their family to be closer, are they instantly given warm, fuzzy feelings or are opportunities given to love one another? There are things that happen in this life that we did not ask for, that we did not want. Sometimes challenges are put in front of us to test our mettle. Stop seeing them as obstacles to be overcome. Start seeing them as opportunities to succeed. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, Mike and I will talk about the suffering of continuing the journey. We've been put on this path for a reason, and we will persevere until we reach the end. Mike, nobody wanted to come in today. We got a little bad weather here, and I guess people are afraid, so. So. It's only us real men that could weather the storm. <laughs> but we, we've needed to talk about something for quite some time. And that's, that's you and I continuing our journey. Our audience has both heard both of our stories and our story, unfortunately, doesn't end there. So today you and I, I'd like to sit down and have an honest discussion about how our life has either progressed, digressed, or stayed in some sort of stasis. But before we do, let's get into this week's social media question. It comes from Bernie from Pittsburgh. What has changed in your lives since starting your podcast? Mike, what do you think? It gives me a, a great feeling because we've helped so many people. It gives me a feeling of purpose now. And I'm sure you felt the same way after we retired. It's like a what next feeling. Absolutely. It's a it's an exhale. It's like, ugh, what, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, I'm a big quote guy. And I saw a quote this week, which I thought was fantastic. We're not in the same boat, but we're in the same storm. Always. You know, and, and that's what we're doing. We're not talking to just people that were involved in critical police incidents. We're talking to people that had a lot of different things going on. So we're really, we're not in the same boat with PTS, but we're in the same storm. We're, we're weathering this storm together. 
it's a universal concept, and I strongly believe this podcast will go on as long as we want it to go on. Because as long as I want to keep driving up here, <laughs> I could grab a guy off the street and say, "Hey, why don't you come in and talk to us and tell us your your, your difficult times?" And they, most of the time, they will. Sometimes people will back off, but your life. I mean, think about the things that have changed since February of 2021 when you first came in here. Episode nine. Episode nine. <laughs> Soundboard as episode nine. <laughs> Self-promoting motherfucker. <laughs> we've traveled. We've met people. We've done some crazy stuff. We've had a lot of laughs. We've laughed in here. We've cried in here. We've been recognized. Yeah, absolutely. And... It's, it's nice being recognized for a good thing than a bad thing. Well, you know, that's funny because when I first got involved with the podcast, I told my father about it. My my father's old school Italian, you know, and he's like, oh, you got to get an attorney. You got to, dad, it's a podcast. We're not making money. We're raising money. It's not like, <laughs> so he was a little hesitant about me doing it at first. Then he started listening to a couple episodes and he became like our biggest fan. He calls me all the time. Oh, you know, I'm so proud of you. I love what you're doing. You know, it's great. You're helping people. Remind me never to go in front of your old man, too, because I've met your old man before. And as much as I bust your balls, I, I now I can't look your father in the face. Like, yeah, I'm the guy to bust your son's balls. You'll see him on March 25th. Oh, God. He's, he's... Sh shameless plug, March 25th, Grand Saloon. <laughs> well, you'll hear that in the beginning that our Dine and Donate is at the Grand Saloon in Clifton, but 940 Van Houten Avenue. Just getting back to my father, my father and my brother and I went out to dinner in Bayonne. Of all places, we go to Bayonne, my father's favorite restaurant. Another shameless plug, San Vito, 406 Broadway. <laughs> no, but we're going there, and I see this guy just looking at me, and I thought maybe I knew him from somewhere or something. So just as we're about to leave, I stand up, and a guy looks at me, and he waves me over, and he says, are you that guy from the podcast? Listen, I was proud. But my father was even prouder. I was more happy for my father than I was. I mean, it, it just gave me such a good feeling to see the smile on my father's face. That's pretty cool to, to have your parents see you make something out of a shitty situation. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because that's that's essentially what it is. And, and my it father is. tells me that all the time. He said, you know, you could have went the other way. You know, you could have fell into the bottle and you could have been drinking all the time. And he said, you turn this into a positive. And I think that's what this podcast has really done for both of us. Right. It's given it's given us new purpose. So to answer Bernie's question, especially for me, uh, it's given me a new purpose in life. It's given me a reason to reach out to people rather than to hide it. Otherwise, I would have just ate it. And that's no good for anybody. You know, I mean, that, that could be another show idea. You know, the suffering of being from Pittsburgh. So maybe we'll, if Bernie <laughs> gave you a number, maybe we'll reach out to him. Yeah. You know, Bernie, listen, is this the same Bernie yeah. that you were telling me about? Yes, it is. So Bernie has become one of our biggest fans. Uh, he is also a big Overkill fan. And he's an ambassador for our show. You could, yeah, that's correct. So He's I'd, getting all the yins on our side. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to have Bernie in. Uh, Bernie, if you're listening, and I know you will, please contact me. We'll get you in here one way or another. But I think he's going to an Overkill show. Derek hooked him up with tickets. No, he went to an Overkill show last week. Oh, he did? Oh, yeah. How, how do you so, like it? Fantastic. I, I just texted Derek the other day. I said, I hope you're not getting too many dick pics from Mike. <laughs> <laughs> and he always so nice gets right back to i him. only sent one <laughs> <laughs> only one again kill one person suck one dick <laughs> one dick pick you drove a truck one time yeah you drove a truck one time <laughs> i always wanted to be an air, uh, an air traffic controller <laughs> <laughs> bernie thank you so much for sending that question in keep sending them in we'll try to get them on the air so mike since february i think it was february 19th that we either aired or recorded it came out on February 14th. I it came that. out on yeah. February 14th. Well, so that, was right my that. that was my Valentine's Day present to you. No, that wasn't the only thing you gave me that day. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to me a little bit about the an update on yourself. You, you're still working the same jobs. You, you, you're sleeping better. What's, what's going on in your life? Yeah, uh, sleeping is definitely better. I mean, it's a little sporadic. I mean, you know how it is. You get some good nights, some bad nights. You ever still have one of those bad, bad dreams? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just had one. Not I, I had one like last week yeah. where it just kept me up all night. You know, it was like I was a, actually a police officer again and involved in a shooting and it wasn't like a good shoot. Oh. And I was actually in my dream. I was actually hiding in my room and people are knocking on my door and I thought I was getting like locked up and everything. Damn. And when I woke up, I thought it was real. You know, that's the scary thing. I just had one the other night and it was, it had something to do with police work, but I don't know. I don't remember it fully, 
But all I know is when I woke up and it was like two o'clock in the morning, I was soaking wet. I had to get up, change my shirt. I mean, it was dripping wet. Yeah. I don't know where that came from, but a, a lot of it has to come from, we, we, we took that trip down to Florida and we told our story five plus times in three days. I don't know about you, but that bothered me. Like it, it, it affected me. You know, it really hit me when we got on the plane. You know, we were, we were so busy, didn't really have time to think about it. Right. We were jumping from one place to the other and going out to dinner and, you know, getting back and going to sleep and getting up. When we hit the plane and it was kind of like time to decompress, all the feelings started coming back. We had about 20 hours <laughs> because there was a snowstorm. Newark was closed. We had to fly into Atlanta and then go into Philly. I never flew into a, a, a white runway before. Yeah, no kidding. That was scary. At 25 mile an hour winds. Scared the shit out of me. My, my shooting was frightening but i might have pts <laughs> just from the plane ride from the landing the, the listeners out there you think this is all sunshine and rainbows no don't forget that the train then the uber oh yeah yeah so Plane, planes trains and automobiles pl that's what we were planes trains and automobiles john candy and steve martin were right <laughs> alongside of us but that that was that was honestly a nightmare so there was no decompression because our flight got canceled yeah. at twelve thirty on the, on that night we didn't get our flights again until about two o'clock in the morning, oh, and we had to be in the air at the airport by like what five or six. Five or six, yeah. There was no sleep in that no. night. It was it was a brutal time. For me, I, I had a little bit tough time when I came back. I was happy to be home. Uh, I, Florida's not really for me. It's just it's not my style of place. <laughs> Someone called it God's waiting room. God's waiting room. <laughs> <laughs> You you have two types of people down there. You have the elderly and you have the people out of rehab. And it's and then you have some really nice areas and then you have some right the next block is some really really bad areas and there's really no in between. So it's there's not a progression. No. You know, it's just like you said one block to another. It's 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 again, it's just not my style. I'm I've been all over the country. There's only like two places in the country that I'd ever move out of New Jersey for. It's not that I like New Jersey, but every place is pretty much the same or worse. So what what am I moving for? I moved to San Diego. I was just going to say San Diego. Most beautiful weather around. Beautiful. 75 degrees. Uh, you know, I rarely slept when I was out there. There was a time when I would have moved to Las Vegas because Las Vegas was nice. I heard Las Vegas isn't so great anymore. Well, I mean, you're born and raised in the Atlantic City area, so that's right up your right up your alley. It's not even the gambling. It's it's the um, it's the the atmosphere, I guess. I got a friend of mine that moved out there. I could Hook you up with him. Oh, God. Uh, th those days are those days are long gone. I got two young kids. Eddie Trunk from that metal show. Eddie Trunk, good friend of mine. He's uh, he lives out in Vegas. Now. Well, he's got a house in Vegas. Yeah, well, that would be kind of fun to get on. So we we've we've become somewhat ambassadors to change a certain stigma, and it sort of happened organically. When you and I were both involved in shootings, we had chronic PTSD. We have since changed that. We're trying to change. We're trying to we, change. We've changed ourselves, but we're trying to change the, the PTSD thing. And this this whole show and our journey down with everybody else, it's a learning experience. Every day. So when I, I, I like the idea of dropping the disorder portion of the PTS, but I couldn't articulate it why. And I think it was Tommy down from MSCS down in Florida, or I think that's where we had a, a real discussion about it. And I think. The disorder needs to be dropped because it's, you're not born with it. It's thrust upon you. Yeah, exactly. You were given this, You something happened to you. You didn't want it to happen, but you dealt with it when it happened. The difference between PTSD and PTS is you weren't born with this trauma, with this brain injury. If you were born with it, we could stick with PTSD. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Without that, like I, I think you said it on Tommy's show that day. Someone breaks their arm, they don't have calcium breakage disorder right it's a broken arm it's right. something that happened to you I, I believe a disorder is like you said is something that you're born with cerebral palsy and, and i'm not downing no. those things at all you know you're born with cerebral palsy you're you're born with you know one nut like you not to down those things at all but those those are those are issues that are you have no control over and we had no control over our stuff either but it all comes down to that genesis. Was it, did it happen? Was it thrust upon you or were you born with it? You know, like cancer. So you're not, unless you're born with cancer at a, at a, as a baby, 
that could be considered a disorder, but nobody considers cancer a disorder. No, exactly. You, you don't have cancer disorder. You just have cancer. Correct. But we've also learned a lot about PTS. I used to think my definition of PTS, and I, th- I said it on episode nine, where- And 10 and 11 and 12. You want to get into the prairie fire thing too? <laughs> All right, Mr. Suffering is unto yourself, which you just said on the last show. We all tend to repeat ourselves, and we don't even realize we do it sometimes. We don't have much mental capacity left, so whatever is in our brain sometimes comes out. I've shot my load. You know, there's not much left up there. And it's since changed. It's since changed, because I always thought that it's knowing you're going to die and not dying and having to deal with the consequences. But what I've come to find is it is cumulative. It can be cumulative where I think a more apt way to put it is being able to take so much stress until it fills that glass up. You know, we always talk about the glass, the water in the glass theory, where the glass starts spilling over, and that's where the PTS starts coming out. I mean, you, you heard it, you hear it all the time. You're, what's your tipping point? You know, when someone hits their tipping point, is that when PTS starts? When you were a kid, you ever go to a playground and you got like the seesaws? Mm-hmm. You walk on the seesaw until you get to the middle? And then you go down. And then you go down. Is that your tipping point? Is that where PTS starts? You're walking up that seesaw, and all of a sudden it starts to go down, and now you start falling down. People can only take so much. With our events, the remainder of our glass got filled up in an instant. So my definition is correct for me. It's correct for me. However, we've come across so many different people with, that could be categorized, having PTS, that my definition doesn't fit for them. It's really hard for me to to pigeonhole that. It's very hard for me to say, hey, you know what? Maybe I misjudged this. It was right to me at the time, but I don't think it's correct I mean, anymore. You take a guy like Gene Halberger. Correct. Not the same PTS. No. You know, I mean, what happened with us happened with us. What happened with him is unthinkable. He's got PTS from that. And right. Listen, he can't feel our suffering. I could no, not even imagine his suffering. For him to come in and talk to us and still be the man he is today, I have the utmost respect for that guy. Right, because he didn't face death, you know. And again, I'm, I'm death I'm, faced him. Death faced it, but I'm not. I'm I'm trying to to put the contrary point to my prior definition. He didn't face immediate death. He looked at his son dying, and maybe he wanted to die himself. But he wasn't put in a life or death situation, say like a rape victim or a shooting victim, where death is an imminent possibility or a cancer victim, something like that. He was thrust. Billy Bart. Billy Bart. Well, yeah, he's he's an anomaly. What a great, I mean, that just, after we did Billy Bart's episode, I wanted to like punch myself in the head saying like, (laughs) you know, why? I mean, because going through this, sometimes you, you almost hate life. You know, it's like. You dread doing things. Well, because you Billy think Billy Bart has such a positive outlook on everything. Though. You think you're supposed to be stronger than yeah. us, and yeah. that's that's the problem with with having any type of PTS. Is for me anyway. I'm not that guy who who has to ask for help. I'm the guy going out and helping other people. And now all of a sudden, I'm in a situation where I got to ask for help. I feel weak as hell. It sucks. Like I said, with, with after my neck surgery, the first time in my life I ever had to call an ambulance because I don't want help. Right. <laughs> I don't want people. I don't want to sit in the back of an ambulance and go to a hospital. And you felt, I'm sure you felt emasculated. I'm sure you felt weak because do you remember what you said to me in the hospital? I don't know if you want to get into it. Probably not. (laughs) You were having such a rough time and I could hear it in your voice that you were having. I I know where you're going. Go ahead. You can, you could say this. You were having such a rough time and I was trying. Well, from, from, just preface that from the surgery, I had pretty much no use of my right arm. Correct. And there was multiple, there was problems with the surgery. You got the pneumonia, you got, um, and you had to go back in and you had to get it drained. It, it was, it was a scar tissue on my neck that I had to get surgically removed. And it was a nightmare. And they, I, I couldn't even come visit you. Like I, I, I cause I was in contact with, and it was, co- it was COVID. It was COVID. So I couldn't even come visit you just, you know, if just to show my face, just to say, Hey, bro, it's going to be okay. Just give you a little bit of normalcy. You said, if I could find a window, I'd jump out of it. You know, I, I did walk around that one night and I was looking for an open window in the hospital because right. I only, I, I didn't look down the road. I'm an immediate results guy. You know, I wanted to have surgery and go out running that afternoon. You know, I, my doctor told me, he said, one thing you have to have is patience. I said, doc, in 55 years of my life, it's one thing I've never had is patience. 
But I did walk around the hospital one night looking for a window to jump out of. I can't imagine. I, I recently spent some time in the hospital and just sitting there. All, and I, I, listen, I was in a great room. I was in a really nice private room. And it was, it was really well. It was pretty. It was nice and everything. But you're just sitting there and you, you're, you feel helpless. Like the, there's nothing to do. How many episodes of Friends can you watch? Because that's all you're doing. The only thing you're looking forward to is when your meal comes. I, I wasn't allowed to eat. And that was taken away from me. And I, I couldn't sleep because they were taking blood from me every two hours. So what do I do? I start messing around. I'm starting pressing buttons. And you hear the nurse come over. Stop that. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny too. They come in and they say, get some rest. Yeah. <laughs> they come in every two hours, like you said, taking your blood pressure, taking this, taking, you know, I have a slow heart rate to begin with, but I was on the heart monitor the whole time. And once it went under 60, Beep. it starts beeping. <laughs> Nurses are coming and everything. I said, is there any way to put that thing up to like 70? I'm, <clears throat> I'm not going to die. You know, my heart rate's <laughs> just going down. It's, it's normally low. There was one guy that came in about, I felt bad for him too. And I, I cause I was so tired. He came in at about two in the morning. I'm like, get the fuck out, get out, get out. I don't want you in here, but I got to take your blood. I'm like, they just took it. They just took it two hours ago. Get that blood. My blood hasn't changed. <laughs> you know, in one time too, it's funny speaking about PTS and hospitals. When I was in there, they were, they scheduled me for an MRI on my neck. It was going to be at seven o'clock at night, Six forty-five. nobody comes to get me. I go out to the nursing. Oh no. Someone comes in and says, uh, your MRI was pushed to tomorrow morning at seven o'clock. Okay, I get up early, 6.45, nobody comes in, 6.50, nobody comes in. I go to the nurse's station. I said, I'm supposed to get an MRI at 7. You know, nobody came to get me. She goes, oh, let me check your chart. She comes back. She goes, your MRI is 7 o'clock tonight. <laughs> I said, get the fucking doctor in here right now. That's when my PT, the doctor came in. I said, I want my fucking MRI right now. I said, I'll sign myself out of, a, out of this hospital. I'll go to another hospital and guarantee I get an MRI before seven o'clock tonight. I'm screaming at her. You're, if you're anything like me, I, when I get frustrated like that, I get belligerent. Oh, yeah. 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 I, I mean, I totally disrespect the doctor and I feel bad about it, but she comes back. She goes, oh, we scheduled an MRI for, for in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Of course you did, doc. Thank you. But they were going to do it at seven o'clock. I was out of my mind laying in bed for four days. Like you said, how many Friends reruns could you watch? You know what? I mean, I don't mind staring at Jennifer Aniston all day. Yeah. <sighs> I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that one. You've told me that before, but here's a little tip next time you go into the hospital and for everybody out there who's listening, you want to have a nickel's worth of free fun. The toilets are so powerful in the hospital. You can flush anything down there. If you're sitting on a toilet and flush it, you may go down with it. You're right. You'll feel the <laughs> suction. So take the end, take the toilet paper off the roll, <laughs> take the end of the toilet paper and hold it loose on, on your fingers and flush. And then watch that whole roll disappear. It's, it's hilarious and see how far you can get before it breaks. Again, those little things to keep you occupied. But I'm sure they're used to that. In there. Far be it from us to go off on a tangent. Yeah. <laughs> what were you talking about? Uh, we're talking about PTS. <laughs> now we're in the hospital. No, no. We actually, we were talking about, you know, we still have our dark times. Oh, yeah. We still Absolutely. have those, those low times. It's not that we're through this totally. And to be honest with you, if you were through it totally, I would say you scammed the pension board, which I know you didn't. I, I think PTS is a permanent thing. Absolutely. I don't I don't think there's any totally getting over it. It's just how you deal with it. Correct. You gotta have enough tools in your in your box in order to to deal with all this stuff. We have more tools than we, we've seen, but a lot of it comes from perspective. We see some of the most horrible stories coming in here, from suicide to child molestation to We abuse. haven't any, we haven't had anybody in here that committed suicide though. No. <laughs> that 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 would be a tough one. Well, you know what? We're trying to get Heather Campbell back, so she could bring somebody back. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah, doubt. she could. She could. Well, we can get someone from the past, but yeah, we haven't had any of our show guests die yet, where we need to go contact them. Have we? Not that I know of. Not that I know. Everybody's still here that I know of. Yeah, so we can't even contact. You know, I, I, I think the question I'd want to ask him is: So, did we get it right with our concept? Is this? Is it real? <laughs> Do you listen to it in heaven? <laughs> <laughs> Do they have Spotify up there? It, I want to find out, like, if Heather does come back, is there any demons in this room? Like, oh, no. someone that came in with a deep, dark thing, did they leave something here? <laughs> did they leave a spirit here? I think 
some of them would have followed John Alita or Mike Dowd. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very possible. But what you know, we've seen all this different trauma that's come in here. Do you have any one of them that stands out to, uh, to you as being the worst? That it's something that's unbearable or unthinkable. I mean, like you said, like we said before with Gene, you called it the ultimate suffering. That's the ultimate suffering. Yeah, yeah. But I take bits and pieces out of every one of them. I've had some good friends come in here. You know, I had uh, Richie Tuero, Leonard's right. high school football coach, who I just saw down in Atlantic City. Yeah, he's unmistakable, by the way. Oh, yeah. And Richie, I hope you're listening to this. I saw you from a mile away because I got to tell you, Rich, you're not a small guy. <laughs> He's an offensive lineman. That's right. That's right. We have a nose for our own. Yeah, no kidding. We had EMS Eric, who's on our, our board of directors. I mean, his story's deep. You know, he really, I mean, he sees he sees shit on a daily basis. Like I said, we had Bobby Crudell, one of my best friends from childhood. He was telling me things here that I never knew about him. You know, I never knew about his childhood. He's fucked up. I'm going to tell you, I, I got to read some of the texts sent back and forth. I can't read them on air. I really can't. We, we I'll could, be canceled. We could do a whole show on, on Crudell's texts. They're brutal. Oh, yeah. Without doubt. <laughs> He's out of his goddamn mind. And the, and the other one, which it's personal to me because I know it and I see it. Derek Taylor. The way he is with his son. Like I said, I've seen it up close and personal thousands of times. I love Derek to death. He's one of my great friends. As good of a friend he is to me, he's an even better father. He, I mean, it's just unbelievable the things he does for his son. <laughs> and he's always, he's just he's just a regular down to earth guy. Down to earth guy. And you'd never, I mean, if, aside from the look, he's got the rock star look. But just sitting down and talk to him, you'd never know he's a, he's a rock star. No, he's he's a pretty cool guy. I, you know, I look at somebody like Artie Dell, going through what he went through as a child, or even Mike De Palma. You know, Mike De Palma had to do what he had to do over in over in Baghdad. Those those things, they they really weigh on you. And, and that's what I said. PTS is a lifelong thing now. What Artie Dell went through, and what what Mike De Palma went through. By the way, Artie Dell was molested as a child. He was sexually assaulted as a child, and started ten thirteen survivors. Correct. You know, he turned it into a positive. Right. What Mike De Palma went through. That's going to be in the back of your head for the rest of your life. Now, do you think that's why I say PTS is is forever? It's just how you deal with it. So, if we had to give people a path on how to deal with their own PTS from our own playbook, because I don't know about you, but it makes me feel better to help somebody else to to pay that forward, pay it forward, like you always say. Now, do you think? If that was the advice that you had to give on how to overcome, not overcome, but deal with PTS is to pay what you've learned forward. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we went through something and, and for the most part, we got through it a little more dented, as we say. Yeah. But, you know, we got through it. We learned from our experience. So if someone else goes through that, they could learn from our experience and from what we tell them. I mean, we, we talk all the time, the couple shootings that happen around here. I reached out to those departments right away and I said, have the guy, you know, have him call me or Kevin, you know, we'll tell you what to expect. My shooting was the first fatal police shooting in my town's history. So nobody really knew what to do. I had nobody to reach out to. And since then there's been another one. <laughs> now, now they're a little bit more, well, two more, two more. Now they're a little bit more well-versed. Yeah. But we, we went through that and we know the system. We know what to expect. Back then we had to learn on our own. Here's the other side to that. It was recently put to me by somebody who is 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 close to our our circle that if we go out and we speak to somebody who's involved in a shooting we're trying to pay our knowledge forward are we implanting in them the power of suggestion like you may have nightmares so do you think that would bring on nightmares in some way it's it, definitely possible yeah. I, I could see that as, aspect of it listen i i know a guy he was involved in a, in a critical incident and he was advised not to talk to anybody. Right. Advised by his attorney not to talk to anybody. I said, that's the worst thing, the worst advice you could ever get. When I finally got in touch with the guy, I said, listen, I don't want to talk about your incident. I want to talk about you. How are you doing? I got it out of him after a little while, you know, not sleeping much, having bad nightmares. I said, if you called me today to shooting, I would have told you that's going to happen. It's all normal. It's all normal what you're going through. We're, we're not telling them what's going to happen, but 
you know, bottom line is whatever happens, it's normal. There are others who have gone through it. If nothing happens, there are a small amount of people that were, if they go through a critical incident like this, nothing happens. But we need to get that word out that whatever is going on, it's it's okay. It's okay, yeah. yeah. And, and you're going to feel like, I mean, we brought it up quite a few times, the book Shots Fired. Oh, uh, Joe Lachlan. Joe Lachlan. I just spoke with him not that long ago. Yeah, he's, he's going to be making it in here hopefully in April. As he, you know, in his world travels, he maybe he'll, <laughs> maybe he'll uh, lower himself and come through New Jersey one day. <laughs> no, but I, I read that book and he goes through different shooting situations and talks to each cop. And I said it before. I don't want to say when I said it because you're going to rip me for bringing up episode nine. But I said it. If I read that book before my shooting, I would have known some of the feelings that I had. You know, he just lost one of the officers in that book. Did he really? Yeah, and and he and there was there were some problems going on. He reached out. They tried everything they could. He they lost him to suicide. Yeah, and and like I said, and and that's what I feel that we're doing now through Joe's book. They're telling you how they felt, not what to expect, but how they felt. You know, and and the feelings they were feeling. If I heard their story, because. Right after, right after my incident, I thought I was fucked up. You oh, know, me too. Why am I feeling like this? You know, this isn't me. You know, you get all these crazy feelings. But when you read that book, other people are feeling the same thing. You know, and I, it kind of opened my eyes to it. And I feel that's what we're doing now. We're telling people almost what you're going to go, what you might possibly go through. Because everybody deals with it differently. You know, every week we sit down with whoever's in here. Today, it's just you and I. And we have a group therapy session. That's again, I'm the oldest person in here. <laughs> uh, well, this is a drop ceiling in here, so I'm sure there's some things up here. That oh, you know what? And the other thing I want to bring up when Crudel was here, yeah, he's he, old. Wore, he wore a hat because he's bald too. I wouldn't have been the only bald guy in here. <laughs> That's been, why he would have, it would have been the first time I wasn't the only bald guy. He wears guy the Goopaline. That's why. <laughs> I always see him wearing that thing. Now I know why. Yeah, exactly. Now, is that what happens after 50? Because I'm, I'm only two and a half years away. It might be just growing up in North Arlington. Right? We all lose our <laughs> Was there a nuclear plant in North Arlington? <laughs> no, we had high, uh, high tension wires that ran through it. <sighs> Everybody that lived along that corridor. And lead paint? <laughs> Eating lead paint like oh, potato we, chips. We used to have it for lunch. Ah, very nice. Very nice. Lead paint sandwiches. <laughs> your PTS, your own personal PTS, as far away, now your shooting was September 14th? 16th. 16th, 2014. 2014. I get the 14th and the 16th all mixed up all the time. How has that spilled over into your life today? Uh, I look at things totally differently now. Right. You know, I vowed to live every day like it's my last. You'd get this from a football mindset. Live your life like it's fourth and goal. You got to push through. You got to do something positive every day. We could just sit there and wallow in our, wallow in our own misery, but where's that going to get you? And I did that for a long time, but it's changed my life. I mean, you know, going through a divorce now, PTS isn't the only reason, but I think that's one of the, the catalysts for it. You, you're a different person. You're a different person, yeah. You know, that person, I, and I, I don't- and, and people from your past may not be able to deal with that different person. I've severed several relationships oh, yeah, but I don't. because I can't relate to them. And, you know, I've been called a faker by people in my family. Those people, some of those people who have done that, I've I vowed never to speak to again. I've deleted numbers from my phone. Correct. So th those are the things, because I am not that same. I went to work on July 10th in the morning. And when I came home July 11th after midnight, I'm a totally different person. The same Kevin Donaldson didn't return home. Nope. Nope, he was lost in he was lost in action. I, there are some things about me that are better, though. There are some things about me that are better. I've learned to deal with my own trauma, and it took me a while. Obviously, not right afterward. It took me a while. I learned to deal with my own trauma, where there are some little things that bother me, but the big things don't anymore. Well, you know, it's funny. You sent me that one picture a little while ago of you and your wife right after the shooting. Oh yeah, the look on your face. I mean, you just had a look. You had that like thousand miles there you know what well i will put that up after this show airs and if you want to see the, like, i'm always willing to give you content see i, I, try, <laughs> I try to help you out all the time pal well i don't know where that picture came from it looked like a 
like a casino or it was no I no no I know I just don't know how I got my hands on that picture I think I think I was trying to show my son a picture and I was looking through old pictures and that that one popped up so what what had happened right after the shooting is my wife wanted to get me away for a while wanted to try to get me out of my my funk that I was in and that was probably two or three weeks afterwards so we're going down to Atlantic she she wanted to get away we her and I went down to Atlantic City and as a matter of fact, Artie Lang was playing down in Atlantic City. I call Artie up and I say, Artie, listen, I'm coming down. I had this thing go on. He's like, I'll get you tickets. What year was that? 2013. Because we had a, a PBA fundraiser and we won tickets to Artie, Artie Lang in Atlantic City. It was at the Borgata. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It might have been the same show. So the the funny That's thing, funny. so he invited us down, invited us backstage. And, you know, you talk about your father being proud of you. Well, my father and mother went backstage and, and you know, Bob Levy was there and Artie's there. The, and the Reverend Bob Levy. The Reverend Bob Levy, who we've been in contact with. Hopefully we'll get him on the show. But Artie, Artie really treated me very well back there because he understands a little bit more of trauma. At the time, him and I were a little bit closer than we are today. And and he was still in the throes of his addiction at that point. Oh, serious, serious. Yeah. He still had a whole nose. <laughs> and I just remember feeling lost when I'm there. And and like I said, Artie treated me very well. Brought me up to his hotel room. You know, we walked. I walked with him through the casino. And it's real cool how they bring celebrities through the casino. You don't walk on the aisles. You walk through the slot machines because yeah. people are playing slots and they're less apt to look at you. We come face to face with Frankie Avalon as we're walking because he was going the other way towards another arena. I just felt like I didn't belong there and I was on edge and I, I felt like everybody was looking at me like, Oh, that's the guy. That's the guy. Exactly. That's the guy. And I just, I felt out of place. And th- this picture you could see in my face. You know, I was, I was going to ask you that too. Right after your incident, did you ever feel comfortable anywhere? Like whenever you go out, you just felt uncomfortable. You had that uneasy feeling, but you, when you get to your safe place or your comfort zone, so I started going to group therapy and this was before you, before your shooting, there was the original group therapy and we, what did, we did something down in Piscataway. We went as a group. It was really the first time we all went out as a group and there's a picture of it. And I actually still have the picture of it where we went out to dinner afterwards. The thing was like for cop to cop and it wasn't really what it was hyped up to be, but we all went out to dinner and we're sitting out there and this is, these are, I think it was six or seven guys who felt comfortable nowhere all of a sudden, we started feeling comfortable. We start breaking each other's chops, and they, you know, it, it was it was a great time. And that was the first time. And this is probably six or seven months after my shooting, where I finally felt comfortable at least once. I didn't feel comfortable going, and the only place I felt comfortable was in my house and in the gym, mm-hmm. because you know I was a certified personal trainer, so the gym was a place I was at all the time. That's one of the only places I felt comfortable. And I told you before, my shooting happened on a Monday night into Tuesday morning. I was a volunteer football coach, and we had a home game that Friday night. I stood on the sidelines, had the crowd behind me. I thought everybody was staring at me. I thought everybody's like staring and pointing. Well, like you said, that's the that, guy. That's, that's the guy. Him. That's the guy. I walked around the track of the football field the whole game just watching the game. i just couldn't stand in place for, for yeah. you know and somebody up in the bleachers yelled to me hey mike good job thank you great gesture i almost threw up right there you know my, <laughs> so, somebody said something to me like that and i said we, i i think i turned around and said why don't you go fuck yourself <laughs> i i really and it was a visceral reaction it wasn't they mean well yes. they mean well but when you're in that I don't like, want to hear it. You know, like I said, right, right after the next, no, it was the same day. Cause mine was two twenty seven in the morning. You know, I'm getting all texts from people, you know, how you doing? You okay? You this year. I get a text from another cop. The only thing the text said was I need a debriefing. Who the fuck are you to ask me for a debrief? I didn't even talk to my department about it yet. And that was the only text I got from him. Hmm. Dude, that fucking pissed me off. Never said anything to him. People came out of the woodwork after my shooting. Oh, yeah. They all want to be your friend now. Yeah. Oh, I, oh did you see that shooting in, in Roseland? I know that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, unfortunately. But I held those, that story in for so long. I know you did, too. But now that we've been out, we've we've done speaking engagements. We've been on 
show after show after show telling our story. Why don't you tell everybody some of the reactions? You know, like when we did the Blue Magazine, mm-hmm. you know, when they, they got up and let us talk about it, just talking to the people and, I mean, they're, they're primarily law enforcement-based people, so they, they kind of get the feeling. Because I'm a firm believer everybody in every first responder has some sort of PTS. True. Some sort of it. You know, just how you deal with it. And, and maybe they didn't tip over that seesaw yet, you know. Just their reaction and their, their eyes fixated on you and they're listening to you. And some of them come up to you after it and say, thank you for what you did. Like like I told you, you know, you're a hero. I don't like the hero word. I have a problem with thank you for your thank you for your service. Like when people say that, thank you for what I, I have a problem with that. I don't know why. Well, you know, it's funny, too, because you hooked me up with John Wiley from mm-hmm. uh, Law Enforcement Today Radio. And I, I did a, a radio interview with him and he was talking about the same thing. Mm-hmm. I said, I could count on one hand when I was working, how many times someone said, thank you for your service. <laughs> now that I'm retired, oh, what do you do? I'm a retired police officer. Thank you for your service. I'm just now at that age where I could tell people I'm retired without the secondary question. Yeah. How old were you when you yeah, retired? How old were you? you were 40. 49. You were 49. So you could have done it too. And you had 20 years in. So I only had 14 years in. So when I tell people I'm retired, especially because I was 39 hmm. when I did, wow, you retired early. Would you get the job when you were 12? Yeah, <laughs> jerk off. I was in a shooting. You want to talk about it? Hey, listen, I was a little fat as a kid too. Let's talk about something else I'm really uncomfortable with. You know, th- and that the follow-up question. But now I can actually say, yeah, I got on early. 47, it all fits. I just tell them air traffic controller. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I got a question for you though. Everybody that listens knows the studio is in your house. How does it affect you having all those, all these different people with all these different backgrounds coming into your house and sitting in your house? Like, I mean, we talked about John Elite. Right. You know, you have a, a gangster coming into your house. I think the only one we ever talked about was Lee Russon because your son was so excited that a professional football player was here. But you got a lot of these dented people that come into your house. How does that make you feel? I've, I never really gave it much thought. I know my wife has. I know I know she's... Well, she, because we're putting her out because her, you know, she... <laughs> the other, she the other half personal, of my basement is, is a gym. Is a gym, and she does it a personal training down there. But I think it's a judgment call, and that comes from a, a conversation. There's nobody that's stepped into this house, and I, I usually have a pretty good feeling. Nobody's stepped into this house that I've ever felt uncomfortable about, John Elite included. Somebody like John, I see coming a mile away. I, I don't think I'd let Matt Cox in my house. I'm telling you right now because that motherfucker, that's the guy that he'll rob you blind. Yeah, he'll, he'll walk out both of our wallets. Right. So, But great guy. <laughs> nice guy. But, but brilliant. Brilliant. He's got a brilliant criminal mind. That's that's an odd question. You know, I never put much thought thought into it, and thankfully I haven't because there are some, there's some people who have tried suicide, who have gone through really rotten things in their life who have killed people. You know, I guess I should be more nervous about it than I am, but we're not doing this. We, and we have conversations with the guests before they come in. And I tell them very clearly, I'm not looking to hurt you. I'm looking to highlight your story and get you through to show that this is what's going to be, that this is something that's going to define you for the rest of your life. Well, what do you say? You're, you're defined by your lowest common denominator. Correct. Correct. Now, when I went on, there was one show, and I won't mention the show in particular, but there was one show I went on where the host tried to get some sound bites from me. I, I think I did okay with them, but why are you trying to do that? Let's say I answered those questions wrong. Like, jerk off this. Why? Why? Because that's going to be the promotion for a show. And they, they were. They were. I think one of them, they're like, he asked me, was, uh, yeah, I, I, what was it like carrying a gun? And I said, well, it was like having a second dick. <laughs> and But there was more to it. And, but unfortunately he took, cut it, splice it. He took the sound bite. It's like having another dick. There was more to it than that. And I go on to talk about that, but that I didn't appreciate. That is a defense attorney move. It is. It is (laughs) just, they, they don't ask you questions that they don't know the answers. Exactly. But you and I have taken our message and we've chosen to go one step further for it. And that's with the creation of dented development project. 
we promote it heavily on this show. And I always considered the, the Suffering Podcast the media outlet for a nonprofit because in all honesty, the podcast, I have a lot of fun doing it. And I know you have a lot of fun doing it, but it's really not our mission. No, the the mission is, like you said, dental development project. Yeah. Because that that's what we're doing this for. I mean, you started the podcast to get the message out, to get the word out. I was still formulating the, the message. And and But the message was there with the name of the podcast, the correct. suffering podcast. Right. We weren't gonna bring in a Sunshine's and Rainbow guy. Right. You know. Th- so the message was really there with just you naming the suffering podcast. Then we we took that concept and we started rolling with it. And I mean, not to boost your ego, but it did happen after you came in. And I remember the the whole thing. This is how the podcast is what it is today. Mike comes in, we have, and we know each other. So we're having this great conversation and everything. I go back. So things changed when you came in, I go and I sit and I start editing it. And I said, I called you up. I said, yeah, we, we, we really, really got something here because it touched on something and it had nothing to do with had very little to do with you being a police officer. It had to do with what you went through and how you dealt with it. Well, it was the same. We, we went through similar critical incidents. Correct. So we have that bond. But now we've reached out and gone the other way where we take people who we have no perspective on. And they'll sit there and talk. We, you know, we have Pamela in. Pamela Viverito is talking about an abused woman. I'm not an abused woman. Mm. Not today. <laughs> I'm not an abused woman, so I have no perspective on what she's going to say. But, you know, and and we tell everybody that comes in here, it's going to be just a conversation with Mike's in front of you. Like, Pamela was scared shit to be here. Correct. She's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Just calm down. Relax. And it's just going to be like three people sitting around the table talking. Like I said, on the way up here, I talked to Bobby Crudell. He said it was so comfortable being in there. It was just like sitting around, you know, a bar drinking and, and talking to friends. And we're doing that. We're making people feel comfortable. We're making them accept their dents. Prairie fire. <laughs> Big Ben Parliament. <laughs> Give it a hug. Give it a hug. And Bobby said, they said, you guys have such like a calming way about you. He said, you play off of each other well. And I think that is the success of the podcast is how we play off of each other. Yeah, I mean, when things get too heavy in here, you'll find Mike and I breaking each other's chops. We don't do it to be disrespectful to the guest or their trauma. We do it to lighten the mood because it is it is some heavy stuff. And there are times when we walk out of the studio just sort of beaten because we just heard some shit. Well, there there are times we stopped recording too, correct? And, and actually sat here and cried. Yep. You know, I mean, we're hearing some heavy stuff, and, and that's that's another question I had for you too. And we, we've talked about this, but I want everybody to hear it. After we have someone in here that's real deep, how do you feel about that? And what do you do after that? The worst part Cause is- Because you're, you're in this house. See, my decompression time is driving home. Right. You know, I get to think about that it. That was my work thing. Home. So when I had a tough day at work, when I was on, on the job, my I had a 15-minute ride home, and that was my decompression. How many times did you like drive around your block, though? Like, you know, sometimes it wasn't long enough. Yeah. You know, you didn't have that time to decompress. When I worked with the sheriff's department, that was about a 10 minute ride. When I worked with Lynnhurst, I used to walk home and it was a three minute walk. Right. So I didn't have that decompression time. That's tough. That that was really tough. tough. Yeah. The, the, so the worst part for me is after we get done in the studio, I, unless I have something, another obligation, I have to sit down and go through the episode in depth to start the editing process. I have to make you sound coherent, which is a very, very difficult and daunting task. Yeah, but thank God it's early in the morning, so I'm not drinking. <laughs> well, you're, my uncle used to say he was a light drinker. When it's light out, he drinks. <laughs> you can't drink all day if you don't start in the morning. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I very quickly have to detach myself from whatever I just heard and stop being the 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 co-host start being the audio engineer and put on a different hat it's actually if i could say it's actually better that i do that because i don't listen to content i don't listen i listen for continuity but i don't listen for content listen to the stutters i do the the ums ums and and the the ahs i can pick up i'm actually looking forward to editing this because i already know how to edit you i've heard your voice so many times i know how to edit myself so it's it's actually pretty good but we get a new person in here 
I can usually pick up on their pause words very quickly. But what that does for me, to answer your question, is it gets me out of that sad or depressed mindset. But you're listening to the whole thing all over. I mean, you're not, like you said, you're really not listening to content. I put on a different hat. I put on a different hat. It's it's no different than you having a tough day and then going out for a run to clear your mind. Because your your mind's busy for focusing on what you're doing. Well, my mind is focused on getting this thing ready for airing. It's worked well. It's worked well. Sometimes there's a little bit of pressure involved in trying to get it done and get it out. You do what you can do. That's a that's a good question, but I think that's that's my best answer where I just remove that co- that co-host hat and put on my audio engineer hat and just go through the episode and really bury myself in the work. Like I said, I don't think I'd be able to do this in my own house. You know, like I said, my decompression is driving home. The commute's great. Yeah. Yeah. For me. It's great for your your mind. <laughs> I just, oh yeah, the commute's great for you. Yeah, up the up, up, up a flight the stairs, of stairs, up the stairs, down the stairs. So, Dennett Development Project that that we kind of got sidetracked a little bit. That's our new mission. Where if the podcast were to end tomorrow, it would certainly suck. But we have this new outlet because all we did was just take a life of service and enter into another life of service. Where now we're trying to give back and help people along who have seen some crap throughout their career. All first responders and. Uh, that's something that I don't think I ever want to end because if that end, I'd be really upset. It's another one of our babies. Mm-hmm. You know, the podcast is our baby. Yes. You know? Then the development, you started the podcast from ground up. I came in a little bit later. So the, the podcast is more your baby than mine, but I'm a part of it. Then the development, we started together. Right. So that's like our baby. You know, now we got to nurture the baby and let the baby grow up. And I hope it grows, you know, because like I said, we're, we're not getting anything out of it. Nope. We're getting satisfaction out of it. I want to give to people that really need it. Right. Some people locally or far away. But I will say this. So there, there's a really cool story. I just was able to hook somebody up through dented development, not, th- not through dented development per se, but through a nonprofit organization network that we've been able to create. Uh, with some treatment for some really strong PTS. And I think I've been able to to hook these people up where there's a uh, there's help out there for people with PTS. I would have never come across this had I not had a nonprofit experience that we have. It, it just wouldn't have happened. So although we aren't able to help this one particular person... I know somebody who has, so I, we have resources. Well, you know, that that's the other thing we talk about all the time. All the different people in, in the different factions of life that we've gotten to meet, we have so many resources now that we may may not be able to help them, but we could refer them to someone. Mm-hmm. I've referred people to Artie Dell before. I have as well. Yep. You know, someone's gone through something. I don't know, you know. If you're contemplating suicide, I don't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. I could talk to you, but I could refer you to someone who knows what it's like and deals with that all the time. So we we deal with such a, like Artie Dell deals with. Uh, blue suicide. Blue suicide and, and, you know, people that are lost to suicide and their families and everything. We deal with such a vast variety of different subjects Right. Like you always say, you know, this is one of the greatest learning experiences of our lives. It's cool in some ways too. It is. So that. I just got off the phone. We, we've rubbed elbows with people that we should have never met in our lives. <laughs> one of one of the cooler people that I, I, I got to speak with him today was Rich Gaspari, the bodybuilder. So I grew up watching this yeah, guy. I was going to say he was one of my idols growing up. I, I got a little starstruck. Lee Rusan. I got a little, you know, these are, these are, but Gaspari in general, like I'm on the phone with a guy that I, I looked up to when I was a kid. That, what, cra- what crazy world do we live in? Those guys, like Gaspari and those guys, and we were talking about them before, like Franco Santoriello. Uh, yeah. I think he was another Jersey guy, too. Uh, I saw him down the shore. I saw maybe, him down the seaside one maybe. time. Oh, God. I, I don't think I'd even recognize him right now. Those are guys that we grew up, mm-hmm. like Gaspari, like when we started working out in the gym. Mm-hmm. You wanted to be Rich Gaspari. Yep. You know? Especially being a Jersey guy. Yeah. It was, it was pretty cool. You know, we're coming to the end of this thing here. Do we and, have to? Well, it's, it's, it's actually been one of the more enjoyable ones. 
for us. We just, yeah, well, we just got to sit here and shoot the shit for an hour. It's like our phone conversations every week anyway. (laughs) Usually, all right, catch up with you later. Hey, what up? You good? Yeah, good. good. All right, see you later. Fuck it. You got anything tonight? No, good. Okay. (laughs) Another thing that we did is we hooked up with one of the greatest ladies that I think we've ever met. One of the most giving ladies we ever met. Oh, Chantel. Chantel. Belladonna Cigars. And Chantel now is working with Kim D from the Real Housewives of New Jersey. I think that's going to be a very good ambassador for her brand. Well, you know what? Class. Chantel has been so good to us without ever meeting us. The first time we ever saw her was on an Instagram live. It was me, you, Chantel, my brother. Right. And she never met us before. She's like a sister to me now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What about that? Yeah. Sister that you don't want. <laughs> a sister who can't shit. <laughs> Uh, here's where the inside jokes come out yeah. <laughs> but anyway we never met her before right. we went on an instagram live and she was gracious enough to offer us a percentage of her cigar sales right we didn't ask for it just because she liked what we were doing right never met her before in our lives i mean that that to me is is one of the greatest things that this podcast does it, it brings people together you know and like i said we would if we didn't have this podcast we would have never met Chantel. The, the, so there was a funny so thing. So maybe we shouldn't have the podcast and we wouldn't have met Chantel. <laughs> so Chantel hosted us when we went down to Florida because that's where she lives. And she was, as we were in one of the shows, she was, she actually went on a date at, there was a bar downstairs and the guy was there. And the guy was like a real, I consider her a sister. And the guy was like a real sleazeball. Yeah, with his Ferrari. Yeah, he, he's just like a sleazeball. I, I felt dirty just shaking his hand. I wanted to like pull her away. Like, yeah. like you said, like a little sister. Hey, stay away from that guy. And I remember looking at this guy up and down and I said, and I remember turning to Chantel. I said, Chantel, are you all right? All right. And then I look right back at him. And I said, well, you're going to tell me if you're not. <laughs> and then I just left and I just walked out because we had a long recording that day. But that's, <laughs> that's the nature of our relationship yeah. with Chantel. It's like, don't fuck with her or else you're going to have to fuck with us. But we are we are coming to the end of this thing here. and Again. Again. <laughs> and we're our own guests today. So I want to know. And we're our, we're our own worst enemies too. <laughs> yeah, but. we are. I want to know what the continuing of our journey and the suffering that goes along with it has taught us. That's actually a good question. That might be the first good question you came up with. <laughs> one or two. Sun shines on a cat's ass every once in a while. You know, one one thing this podcast has done for me is gave me a very good friend in my life, in you. You're you're someone I know I could lean on at any point. Um, it gave me Mandy, your dog. <laughs> your girlfriend. <laughs> my Saturday, Sorry, Mackie. My Saturday girlfriend. <laughs> no, you know, it just taught me that there's more to it. You go through something, and you could curl up in a ball and just do nothing about it. With, with the podcast and indented development, it gives us purpose now. You know, it gives us something to look forward to and something to help, like you say, paying it forward all the time. And that that's what our, our career in law enforcement was for, was to give back to the community, to help the community. It gives me such a good feeling, like we were saying before, thank you for your service. That doesn't, but when someone says thank you for what you're doing now, with the podcast makes me feel good makes me feel good yeah. right not what i did before yeah that, that... I, it's given me so much perspective on the things that i used to think were really super important maybe aren't that important anymore you always say when when you went to your your rehab you realized i'm not an alcoholic these motherfuckers are alcoholics they were drinkers so now i sit here sometimes and listen to people and i say I don't really have a problem. <laughs> you got a they fucking got, problem. <laughs> <got> a problem. <laughs> Sorry for any of our guests there. No, but, and we're not casting judgment on them. No. You know, it's just, you know, you think your, your suffering is bad and you think you're going through the worst thing in the world. There are people out there that have things way worse than you. There's somebody out there that wishes they were in your position. Oh yeah. No right. matter how yeah. shitty you think your position is, somebody's wish wishes you, they had your position. You know, you got a roof over your head, you got a car, you got little, you got a little bit of money. Hundred ninety thousand a turn today on the way up here, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I consider us hard people. So I recently put a quote up on Instagram, and I, I, I strongly believe this quote is: "Hard times create hard people." 
Hard people create good times. Good times create weak people. And weak people create hard hard times. times. So we're those hard people trying to create good times. And I'm going to leave us with that. Thank you very much, Mike, for coming in on this snowy Saturday. Thanks for having me. It's it's a pleasure. (laughs) You know, I had to put in my GPS to get here and... You, it's like auto your your Jeep just automatically drives here. I was actually going to sit in the other seat today to switch it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then your mics your mics don't do that because your mics all fucking tuned to your voice. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast, the suffering of continuing the journey with Mike and I. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Every week we have this giant group therapy session. You got to pay it forward, and we are never over trauma, but most importantly, we are never alone. And that's going to do it for this episode of The Suffering Podcast, The Suffering of Continuing the Journey. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Find Mike on Instagram at dented underscore ace. Find me at real Kevin Donaldson. And tune in next week for another episode of The Suffering Podcast.